This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Sashnick. I am calling in from snowy New Jersey. And I'm Eben Novi williams And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm gonna, I played you. See, you didn't. You never said we, so I didn't say we this time. <laughs> Role reversal today. <laughs> uh, we got lots of topics to talk about. Uh, you know what? We never got into it uh, about uh, several topics. But let's start first with the Atlanta Stadium pricing, uh, which means now... They're going cashless. Yeah, the the same stadium that that two years ago announced that it was slashing prices in a way that that we had pretty much never seen at a, at a major ballpark um, is now announcing one. You know, they're they're lowering prices even more on a few of the key items, including hot dogs, I think, and and soda. Uh, and then number two, a trend that, that that we've talked about a little before, and I think we will continue to discuss. Uh, they are going cashless starting next month uh, with, with some MLS games. Does that fit okay with you, Evan? I mean, when I go to a game, I mean, I like to pay cash. Uh, this, uh, this is also like Sweetgreen does this, and they say it speeds things up. They will have some sort of uh, like ATM-looking machine in the stadium where you can put the cash in and get a debit card. Um, are you okay with this, or do you think there's, there's some sort of bias here against folks who might not have a credit card or... They just prefer to use cash. I think there's certainly it's certainly discriminatory in in some ways, right? The FDIC says that in in Georgia, so where where the Falcons play, uh, home state of Georgia, 11 percent of people are unbanked, so they don't have a, a credit card or a savings account at all, um, and 24 uh, percent maybe have a savings account but prefer to do all their transactions in I cash, think, right? So that's that's a quarter of the state. Yeah, what do you think about the psychology of it? Everybody says, I mean, you've seen all the studies. When they say, like, money managers tell you don't use your debit card, because let's say you go food shopping with a debit card, you'll spend more because you don't have to physically open the wallet and take the money out. Yeah. So perhaps it benefits them that way as well. Psychology. And then the third thing, if you are someone who is going to show up with cash and put it on one of these cards, what they often see is that, and this happens in Disney World and Disneyland a lot from what I'm told, um, you just don't use all the cash on it, right? And you might not go back to a game or you might lose the card before you go back to a game and you end up with a lot of money that gets put on these cards that is in turn never used. See, you know the, what always bothered me? Bar, you'll know this. Yeah. Remember, like Dave and Buster's cards? Oh, yeah. Perfect example. Like, exactly. I have like 10 or 15 of them and they'd all have like two, three, four, five bucks on it and we'd never use them. But see, here's here's the problem I've got. Well, there's two problems I have. One, I, I want to go back to that 11%. We were talking about that, yep. that they don't have a bank account. Now, so don't have a credit card. Don't have a credit yeah. card. Uh, first of all, it's like, well, now I'm forced to go and and use this card. I can't even I can I can't even use a debit card, can I? If you don't, I mean if you can if you have a debit card, you can. Um, but if you are if you operate your life largely in cash and you want to go to a a, a Falcons game or a, a FC or an Atlanta United game, you end up going to a machine, putting your cash in and getting a Visa, essentially like a cash card, a, a Visa debit card out. 
right? And that's the way that you are allowed to participate in this economy. Now, the second one, and this is the one I'm more worried about, because you've got a lot of people, a lot of crooks out there who use skimmers. And I'm just wondering uh, how open will this be to these type of guys hmm. causing this type of crime? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's funny because when they announce these changes, you know, the, the things that they're talking about, and, and there may be a benefit here. I mean, we're, we're being skeptical so far as we discuss it, but there are potential benefits here. One being that it, it helps the back end for the stadium significantly, right? Y- your line is going to move faster because no one has to make change for you. Um, there's no, you know, handing of the bills back and forth. Um, that's a security concern, right? You need to protect the amount of cash that you have. It's also a sanitation concern, you know, with all these change going back and forth, et cetera. There are a lot of ways that this helps the back end of the stadium. Um, and the, the pitch that Atlanta is making and, and Arthur Blank and, and his staff are saying, listen, you're going to save us money on the back end by going cashless, right? It's a minor inconvenience for some of you. It might be a bigger inconvenience for others, but we're going to transfer that savings back to you in the form of a $2 hot dog or a, or a dollar soda. Uh, and if wait, that, wait a minute, Evan. Wait a minute. I got to try. If, if this is Michael Barr's world, he's complaining. I got to tell you, Evan, <laughs> the, hot dog, the hot dog is $1.50, so I know I've got Barr's attention now. Go. And I'm going I'm to rope him in with the two fifty chips and salsa. Whoa. Oh, my ears <laughs> perked up like a German yeah, shepherd, say, man. All of a sudden, Michael Barr is like, where do I sign up for my card? You know there what? <laughs> Maybe this isn't a bad idea after all. <laughs> <laughs> and then real quick, just to finish that out, the, the other thing it allows them to do is that, you know, if they need to adjust prices either up or down, you know, in, 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 the, in the world where cash is, is, is popular at the stadiums, they only want to do that by 50%, 50 cent increments, right, to, to keep like the, the, the quarters and the pennies and such out of the stadium. Now that they're cashless, you know, they can adjust prices by 11 cents if they want to or 13 cents, and it doesn't change the timing or the calculus and anything like that. So it does give them a little bit more freedom, and if they are genuinely kind of passing the savings down back to the consumer, then this, this might end up being um, a, a win-win for both sides. But but in my opinion, yeah, the, the big concern here is that there are people out there, there are certainly Falcons fans out there who deal either entirely or largely entirely in cash for whom this becomes a, a much bigger inconvenience. Now, I'm going to make a prediction here. We will never see the $1.50 hot dog at the Barclays Center or Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good prediction. <laughs> I feel I feel safe on that one. I do think I do think the cash list is going to continue. To, I mean, we we heard the Rays announce it, uh, you know, a couple months ago. I think if I'm not if I'm not incorrect, I think the, the it's going to happen in Atlanta first before it happens down in Tampa. But I do think that this is going to become a much more common thing across stadiums across the country. Let's yeah. move on now to uh, a guy. He could care less. This guy, <laughs> how much a hot dog costs? Bryce Harper. We didn't we didn't get a chance to get into this. Mm. Manny Machado had a $300 million contract, and he was the man for about a week. And then Bryce Harper, he has made his move. He has signed. He has now, with the Phillies, for $330 million. The, the well, highest ever. 330 because Stanton had 325 Right. So that's what he was on. It, it meant something to him to be number one. But what I'd like to try and ask the Phillies, and I don't think they'll participate. But it would be fascinating to see if you could do sort of a behind-the-scenes analysis between what the baseball operations people thought Bryce Harper was worth and the calculus behind it and what the business 
operations folks of the Phillies thought Bryce Harper was worth and the calculus behind it. That would be absolutely fascinating because something tells me that the baseball and the business side of this particular transaction probably did not see eye to eye. Yeah, I agree. Anytime you're signing a, a player, regardless of how good he is in his in his mid-20s, anytime you're locking him up until the, the season in which he's 39, probably means that at the back end of that deal, uh, you're not going to be getting your your money's worth, right? We see this, this happen countless times. Almost every superstar in baseball in the past couple decades has ended up signing a free agent contract that at the, at the back end of which uh, was dramatically overpaying him. But the great question here, Scott, and we can get into what the Phillies have already seen in the first couple days since signing him, is that this re-energizes your fan base. It obviously sells tickets. It sells uniforms. There is a tremendous marketing ability to having a big-name player like him and also showing and proving to your fans that you are interested in trying to win right now, right? There's an energy around the Phillies now that wasn't quite as energetic a week ago before they had made this deal. But Evan, I saw this amazingly. The over/under in Vegas on their total wins went up one and a half. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have. I know it's not one guy. So many more games, but I was a little surprised to see just one and a half. Am I wrong to say just? It's certainly a smaller number than I would have expected. But if to put you in the shoes of of, of Philly ownership right now, would you rather that go up? You know. Four four and a half games and sell less jerseys and, and tickets. It seems like the the metrics that they maybe care more about right now, right? They they sold I don't know the exact number, but a lot of season tickets in the 24 hours after announcing this. Uh, Fanatics announced that that Bryce Harper jersey sales in the 24 hours after the announcement or the 24 hours after they were available, he they sold more of that jersey than any other you know jersey in a single day in company history. There there seems to be outside of the the, the fact that it maybe doesn't make the team that much better on paper there, there's a tremendous kind of uh, you know evidence to show that that in the back end in the marketing side this has been a success for the Phillies now I, I should add this too and I, I'm going to bring up a fantasy point um Bryce Harper yes all of a sudden now anybody doing fantasy baseball out there uh they know that Bryce Harper is is a high commodity now I'm in a keeper league where also I have Andrew McCutcheon mm. And at first, I was not going to keep Andrew McCutcheon. Then all of a sudden, wait a minute. McCutcheon's playing with the Phillies. Bryce Harper's playing with the Phillies. And we know Bryce Harper's going in the four hole. I Mm -hmm. mean, for $330 million, yeah, you're going in the four hole. Which means, where's McCutcheon going? In the three or the five? Interesting. So McCutcheon, you're saying McCutcheon's value maybe increases significantly. Yes. Yeah, and that's why now I decided to keep Now that he has a keep. new high-profile uh, team. See, this, is, this is where I need to know things like what the, the analytics of baseball say, well, how many times does he swing and miss? Uh, what, what is his putting the ball in play ratio? Because, I mean, for me, that'll, that'll depend whether he's three or five. I can't have a high strikeout guy hitting three in front of Bryce Harper. You'd rather him three? I assume hitting five also yeah, probably five, five is, 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 is not a bad situation not a bad either situation yeah, in either. that lineup, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, although he's although he's going to come up to bat with the bases empty a lot of times because Bryce is going to clear him in front of him, <laughs> which means that he could go in the one zero. He could lead off. There you go. That's true. Uh, Turner, David Levy, what what ha- I, I, I uh, what happened? 
<laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah. What so you know, in, in the past couple of days, the the government's final attempt to break up the uh, the AT and T acquisition of, of Time Warner has fallen through. Right. That is a deal that is officially going to go forward, and we're starting to see the first major changes in how AT and T is going to uh, going to absorb. Uh, Time Warner, which includes HBO and and Turner, etc. And one of the big things, especially as we talk about the business of sports, uh, late last week, David Levy, who runs Turner, um, you know, which is a huge buyer of of sports media rights around uh, around the entire sports ecosystem, he stepped down. Right, one of the more powerful people in uh, in sports business, certainly in sports media, um, he is stepping down amidst all the changes going on over there. Well, you said who runs Turner. I think the more important word here is who built Turner. Mm. Uh, you know, David is a titan. He was, he was the NCAA. He was Bleacher Report. He's the PGA. He's MLB. He's NBA. I mean, he really made Turner what it is. And, and I spoke to him shortly after the news came out that he was departing. And he, uh, you know, I've dealt with him for a long time. And he just simply said, there's just nothing for me to do here. My aspirations, the things I want to do now, they don't exist here anymore. So the fun speculation now becomes, where does a guy like David Turner, or, or David, David Turner, David Levy, see how, see how uh, tidy it's with? Where does a guy <laughs> like David Levy, who's been doing this forever, who has unbelievable relationships throughout the industry, who has ideas, where does he go? Am I looking at Amazon? Am I looking at uh, Google? Yeah. What can David Levy do with a, a lot of money behind him in a world that is that is absolutely changing at rapid speed? Very interesting to see where he ends up. And he's had a role, as you said, Scott, he's had a role in kind of this rapidly changing environment, right? Bleacher Report, which was under the Turner umbrella, he was instrumental in, in starting that. And that is, you know, that is a, a geared towards millennials and your lung, younger sports fans, social media heavy, right? This They have a, their own OTT now. Um, that is kind of exactly the, the direction in which sports media consumption seems to be going. For golf fans out there, we talked about it a lot, the Tiger versus Phil matchup that we saw last Thanksgiving. Um, that was obviously something that David Levy had a had a tremendous role in. Um, he is certainly, you know, he, in terms of people out there who understand the direction of sports media, um, he, he's 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 high up there. And you're right, Scott. I think he'd be a uh, he'd be a, a you know a valuable free agent for a lot of different places out there. What are you? I mean, I'm sure Amazon is is out there in the discussion. Where do you kind of see the, this thing shaking out? Yeah, definitely at one of, I would say, digital, because he, like you said, the thing he did with, with Tiger and Phil, he sees where the world is going. But I'm also interested now, back at home, who's running sports for Turner? Familiar name in Jeff Zucker. Mm-hmm. You know, head CNN, of CNN president. Right, so now you've got Jeff Zucker running sports. Jeff, I, 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 smart guy, but he's not David Levy, doesn't have the experience in sports, doesn't have the relationship in sports. Um but they are they do have everything up and running. So uh, there'll probably be a lot of layoffs. This always happens when, when things are going on. Uh, but with Levy, you've got to look at the new players because he likes to be out front. He likes to be bold. He likes to take, take the bull by the horns and do new. And with the cash that some of the fangs could provide, and you've got, like, look at Skipper at the zone spending cash, uh, you have to guess that he's going to probably wind up there. But he's, he's been there with 33 years, David Levy, mm. right? He, I mean, yeah, am yeah. I right about that? I mean, and and in the memo he put out, he said, "Not that I'm going to retire. I am ready for a professional change." <laughs> uh, and that, well, that's amazing. Him, to me. Bar, all I told him in our first conversation before he got his first word out, 
I said, David, just remember what very smart people say. Don't spend all day in your pajamas. It's undignified. <laughs> no. he, he said, Coming from you, that's, uh, that's rich. <laughs> I, I'm not even wearing my pajamas. You'd be proud of me. Working from home, but in jeans. Um, he said his wife gives him about two weeks to sort of uh, find a, a new world order <laughs> and then get out of the house. Let's actually, for a second, let's talk about what we think this means for, for the, the, the Turner Sports Properties. You mentioned you know, Jeff Zucker. Uh, president of, of CNN is becoming the chair of of Warner Media News and Sports, right? So that will be all of Turner's sports assets and Bleacher Report, um, the 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 non sports parts of Turner. You know, your TNT, your TBS, your True TV. That is all being pushed under a separate department uh, within Warner Media. I think called Warner Media and Entertainment. How does this change? Um, no more David Levy with, with AT and T now. Obviously, trying to assert you know some of its you know organizational goals. For, for Turner for the, the Turner sports properties how do we think this changes um, the, the the sports aspirations for for Warner media moving forward I think it makes it more important I mean look at this is almost akin to me I look at what they're doing at new Fox and the Murdochs have decided that the way forward with new Fox is live and the two things in live are sports and news and that is what Jeff Zucker will be presiding over here. They do have a host of big-time sports properties. They do have the OTT. Like you said, it's now what do you do with it? How, how do you move forward with these rights? The, the biggies are coming up in, in 2021, 2022. How much are you willing to pay to keep it? How are you going to distribute it? How do you keep new fans? If, if Turner also, also active, by the way, Evan, you know, in esports. Mm-hmm. So they're there as well. Um, all the ingredients are there for success. But you had a guy who knew it, lived it, breathed it, did it, and now you don't. He does it in news, but sports is a little bit of a different animal. Yeah, and, and the general, you know, the, the, the thought on the street as to why buying Time Warner made sense for AT&T was that it was a way for AT&T to distinguish itself from its telecom rivals, right? So from Sprint, from T-Mobile, um, the way they Verizon, uh, one of the ways to do that is to kind of shift a lot of the content that Time Warner had onto the mobile side. So I, I am curious to see how they're able to leverage all these live rights onto mobile. If, if AT&T becomes, you know, the mobile carrier you need to have if you're a sports fan, because you can watch all of the NCAA basketball games, because you can watch NBA playoffs, because you can watch champions league all on your phone in a much easier way. Um, that will be interesting to see for sports fans. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soschnick and Evan Novi-Williams. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with NFL defensive lineman, restaurateur, and real estate magnate Indomitian Sue. <laughs> he played for the Detroit Lions, didn't he? Oh, God. <laughs> You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, where you get your podcasts.